If you're new with us, this is a Bible church. We believe in the Bible. We believe in declaring the settled word of God. And we believe in loving people because we love Jesus. That's how it all works. How to experience resurrection life is my theme this morning. We've uh, gathered to celebrate what I believe is the most important moment in the history of the world, that God would send his own son to this world, that he would lay his life down and pay the price for you and me to go free from our sin, and then by the power of God to be raised from the dead, which we celebrate this morning. Today, the power of heaven has been on display. I believe, God, that the message that is being communicated today bears witness with your heart as it does with mine. I'm excited to be in the house today to hear the message of God's love. To set up the message this morning, I want to share with you about an eyewitness who was there for seeing the life of Jesus and seeing him die and seeing him alive again. Her name was Mary of Magdalene. She lived in a thriving campus, a thriving town uh, called Magdala on the coast of Galilee, just about three miles from Capernaum. We don't know much about her family history. We don't know too much about her other than the Bible makes it clear she was a troubled woman. In fact, she had seven demons in her, the Bible tells us. One of the gospel writers said that she was a woman uh, with an illicit past, we can only imagine. She's described and defined 14 times in the gospel. And when you think about a woman possessed of devils, as we, saw, we see here in our city, people in the same fashion, Luke informs us that she was a woman with no hope, with no future. But one day, she met Jesus and everything changed. He drove the tormenting spirits from her, and as a result, she became one of the most devoted, loyal followers Jesus had. She stood with him in Pilate's hall when he was accused wrongly, when he was beaten, and when he dragged the cross down the streets of Jerusalem, she watched him. She stood in the crowd that day and watched him hang upon the cross and watched him breathe his last. And then, on that resurrection morning so long ago, she was the first to come to Jesus' tomb. But when she arrived, the Bible tells us the tomb stone that would be placed over the doorway had been rolled out of the way. John tells it like this in John 20, 1 and 2. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. The others, in discouragement, retreated and left. The Bible says they went to their own homes. They were in such discouragement. But... Mary stayed and was weeping, fearful, hopeless, wondering what tomorrow would hold. Many of you have experienced profound grief and sorrow, personal upheaval, and you wonder, what could happen next? What could the future hold for me? 
John tells it like this in John 20, verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, Mary said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And when she heard that familiar voice calling her by name, the Lord of life, who was dead, who had been buried, but now he calls her by name. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. And she was now commissioned as the first missionary to go tell the others that Jesus was alive. You and I have been commissioned in the same fashion, to go and tell others that Jesus is alive. Like Mary, in our day, unprecedented challenges confront us as COVID, vaccines, homelessness, drugs, government corruption at the highest level. And many are filled with anger, frustration, some facing fear and even tears. But listen for his voice. I believe he's calling you by name this morning, by your name. Well, that's the story that we celebrate this morning. But what does it mean for you and me? What does this resurrection matter to you as you're currently living and me? This morning, first of all, what resurrection life involves. Resurrection life is not a multi-step program, not a recovery program, not a new outlook on life. It is, first of all, newness of life. Romans chapter 8, verse 8, Paul tells the church, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Paul has defined what is the worst place a human being can exist in. Away from God, you don't belong to him. All I could tell you is I know what that's like. All of us have experienced what it's like. You're either in that mode today or you've come out of that mode. But thank God we had the privilege to meet the king who brings liberty. Now listen carefully. Jesus challenges everything. When you put him in your life, he will challenge the throne of darkness that has been there. He'll come against those things and break the chains off a person. But because in ourselves, the Bible tells us you can't please God. If you could live this way, it'd be an amazing thing to do. But you can't do it. You can't please God. God is too holy for you and me to say in our own flesh, we're going to make a difference. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 10, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. So I'd just like to tell you what I want to remind you of. Jesus on the inside brings life. That's what we're celebrating today. Thank God he's alive in me. Thank God he's alive in you this morning. Jesus on the inside brings life. Not only is it newness of life, what this resurrection life means, but it's the life of God in you. It's his life in you. Romans 8, 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. If you have a King James Bible, it says he will quicken you. Quicken you. Interesting word, quicken. It means to endue or clothe with life. If Jesus is in you, he will clothe you with life. Praise God. He makes a person alive. He makes a person believe that they have something to live for. You and I have great things ahead that we can look forward to in him, in this life, and also in the life to come. But it's also a life that overcomes. It's a life that overcomes. In Romans 8, verse 1 and 2, Paul tells the church, therefore, there is now, now, he said, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life sets you free from the law of sin and death. There's a real law at work, just like the law of gravity. It's the law of life. But there's also another law that's at work in the world today. It's the law of death, sin and death. So Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. Aren't you thankful for that today? And the power of the devil was real in Mary Magdalene's life. It twisted her and tortured her and compelled her to do things she didn't want to do. Like her, we can walk in newness of life. Jesus did something for her no one else could ever have done. I'm thankful. Well, let's explore for a moment. What is this resurrection life all about? Let's think about some key components to this resurrection life. Mary desired freedom, and she saw in Jesus one who was able, who had all authority to liberate her. What does this mean for us today? In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, Paul writes to the church and said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, put your name in there, would give Scott the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that Scott may know him better. That's what resurrection life is all about. Not just knowing about the Easter story, but to know the one who is the life giver. Praise God. And to know him better every day. Now notice, he divides us into several aspects. First of all, he talks about the hope of our calling. The hope of our calling. Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Our culture today in real time has tried to suck the hope out of every person. Or, if you didn't know it, I'm going to tell you something that you may be surprised about. 
War has been declared against people of faith in this country. America was founded upon the principle that we want our forefathers wanted to come to a country where they could worship freely. You know what happened? That was the perfect model, and that's why God blessed this country. But now, many in power are trying to turn us back into a place where this is not welcome anymore. To love God, to worship Him, to serve Him. And you better buckle your seatbelt for the days that are ahead. And that's why Paul said, writing to people who were running for their lives, they understood pressure. And you and I better be ready to say, Lord, keep pouring the hope into my soul. Keep enlightening my heart that I may know. This deals with our future. The truth is, every day is a better day when you put it in the hands of the Lord. Every day will be a better day. Notice, what, in addition, he didn't just call, talk about the hope of our calling, but he talked about the riches of, our inher- of his inheritance. The riches of his inheritance. Verse 18. This deals with the challenges we face today. I trust that the Spirit would work in you and I in an increasing measure every day. A true Christ follower is not saying, oh God, I'm afraid to go out tomorrow. I don't, I'm afraid to open the newspaper. I'm afraid what tomorrow holds. A true Christ follower says, God is with me. He's given me everything I need to walk as an overcomer. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to dread the future. I'm going with the one who's won the victory. Now notice, Mary was filled every day with such love for Jesus. She followed him everywhere he went. She knew that he had changed everything about her past, her present, and her future. She watched as he liberated people. She, she watched as he opened blind eyes. She watched as he, he did the impossible. Day after day after day. And I believe Jesus is still the same wonderful Lord. My Bible said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God. And so I tell you, Jesus' name is the treasure of the church. That's our inheritance. What he has promised us. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He's invested his riches, his wealth, his power, his might. He wants to bless your life to anyone who will believe. I believe the greatest riches he offers a child of God is his power, his assurance, the answers to prayer, the authority, then the ability we have to lift other people around us. Resurrection life is the hope of our calling. It is the riches of his inheritance, and it is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what resurrection life is all about. Ephesians 1 verse 19, he prays that the, he states that the incomparably great power for us that is available for those who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenlies. If you and I will advance in grace today, we will achieve victory over every attack of Satan in these unusual days we live in. God is looking for a church that will stand boldly up to the attacks of darkness and know what we have in Jesus and know what authority we have and will not panic in the face of the battles that we face today. It's the same power. This is an amazing verse. 
He said, it's the same power. Did you see that? That power is the same power as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead. That power, that same power, is the power that's available for you and me today. So you can't, you can't say today, there's nothing we can do. We, are, we can do everything we possibly can and make a difference in, in those efforts because the one who's in us is greater than he that is in the world, 1 John 4, 4 tells us. Now, that same power is available today. I want to just say verse 19 a little different. There was a day in history when the greatest display of power the world has ever or will ever seen was on display and witnessed. It was that day when the earth trembled and an earthquake hit that place in Jerusalem and the tombstone was moved and Jesus was raised from the dead and where he lives today at the right hand of the Father. Every time Jesus' name is called by a person of faith in this world, Satan trembles and God gets the glory because of the life that's in that name. You and I have that same power available in us today. Now, as I close today, how does one activate this resurrection power? Some of you have come here this morning and go, I'm just a pushover every time I'm tempted. Every time I see those Oreo cookies, bam, I wilt like an ice cube in the hot sun. If it tastes good, you know it's no good for you. Anyway. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversa conversation. What does that mean? The, our way of life. This is how we lived in days gone by, Paul tells the, these people. We lived in the power of the lusts of our flesh. We were living to fulfill the desires of our flesh and of our minds. And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Like Mary, bound by the devil's plans and strategies, every person who's born in sin doesn't even know that they're under control of powers that they cannot control in their own flesh. Verse 1 to 3, 1, 2, and 3 tells us how God found us. Spiritually dead. Spiritually dead inside. Under Satan's thumb, like a mouse being held by the tail. No chance of escape. Without hope, oppressed, bound, bleeding. What can one do in the face of these things? Here's what we'll do. Call upon Jesus' name. Did you hear me? Call upon his name. Ephesians 2, verse 4. Remember, Paul's telling how we were, and now he tells us what Christ has done for us. Verse 4. But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. What a powerful passage of Scripture. In verse 4, we're confronted with the love of God, despite our condition. God loved us anyway. You may be sitting there watching today or sitting here in this uh, beautiful sanctuary and you go, there's no way God loves me. 
man, I'm a no good slime ball. What I've done to my family, what I've done to my business, what I've done to, let me just tell you, God loves you like you are. The word that I just told you proves it. How great is his love for us. He said, God who is rich in mercy. The word rich means plutocrat. That's where we get the, a plutocrat is someone who has so much money, he can't even tell how much it is. God is rich, so rich in grace. That means stuff that you can't earn. It's something that's undeserving. He just said, let me reach you down and pull you out of that Satan stronghold and bring you close and liberate you. That's what he wants to do for every person. Mercy is God reaching out to man. Mercy is God reaching out to man. And believing is man reaching out to God. Thank God the door is still open for people who would like to call on God in mercy. So I remind you, God sent his own son, his only son, to this world to die for our sins. So if you're saying today, God seems like a million miles away from me, I don't know how I could ever connect with him. Let me tell you, God has destroyed that barrier between you and him by sending Jesus as the sacrifice. And when he died, the tent, the, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom so that anyone could have access to God's presence. May God help us to understand this today. In verse 4, he tells God's great love for you. God's great love who bore our sin he paid for it all, and in return, what does he ask for? Would you give your heart to me? Would you give me your life and let me bless you and help you? I'm so thankful I did that so many years ago. I've never doubted. I've never one time regretted my decision to give Jesus my heart. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Notice, we're to call on his name, and then we're to receive, receive God's provision of grace. Back to the ninth verse, God raised him up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. God wants to make you alive on the inside. So instead of just walking, enduring and saying, oh God, one more day, can I do this one more day? Can I go one more day? He wants you to walk like a champion to have a confession on your tongue that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. This is not just to experience salvation, but the optimism, the hope, and the joy, and the power that New Testament believers can enjoy today. So when you and I say this morning, Jesus, just as I am, I receive you. Salvation becomes a reality. Somebody was saying to your loved one, to your wife, to your children, to someone that you care about. Something's got to change around here. Something's got to give in. I can't keep going this way another day. 
And I just want to tell you, Jesus wants to help you in your home. He wants to help you with your children. He wants to help you in your business. If God be for you, the Bible says, who can be against you? Like Mary, deliverance from Jesus is available today. I want to tell you a story as I conclude. I, I have a lot of stories, but I want to tell you a story that was brought to my heart this morning, early in the morning. Bonnie and I were pastoring a, a, a pioneer church in Virginia that had experienced phenomenal growth. And a woman came to the church who was one of the aglow ladies in our community. She was a strong woman of faith. She was married to a retired, decorated army colonel who um, was an agnostic. And uh, he, would, he would never come to church. And uh, one day I said to the, to the wife, I said, I'd sure love to meet your husband. I'd like to invite him to church. Maybe I could have a, a cup of coffee with him, whatever. It was arranged and I met the colonel. He had retired from full bird service and um, became the, wrestling, the, league, the lead wrestling coach for the Ohio State University wrestling team. He was a buffed man and all, he was all tough, you know what I'm saying? He said to me on our first time we had lunch, um, I don't believe in Jesus. He said, I've studied all the religions of the world. He was a brilliant man. And he was telling me about his own human wisdom and so forth. And I said, wow, just amazing when a man is wrapped up in himself. <laughs> we were in the middle of a multi-million dollar building program. I didn't have a lot of time to spend. I met with him two or three more times for lunch and so forth. And I felt in my heart that I should cut off um, my invitation and my time with him for breakfast and lunch and whatever we did together. And so I said on that final day, I said, Colonel, I just need to tell you, we've been together four or five times. Every time we've talked, I've told you about Christ. I pleaded with you to open your heart, and you said you're not interested. I just want to tell you, this is our last lunch today. We're in the middle of a billing program. I don't have any more time. I was in his car. We were, he had pulled up to my office, and he reached his arm over and grabbed me with a vice-like grip on my arm and said, Pastor, please, don't. He said, i got to tell you something. He began to weep. He said, the doctor told me this week I'm dying of cancer. He said, what am I going to do? And I felt the spirit rise up within me, and I said to him these words under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, if you'll give Jesus your heart today, Colonel, you will never die of cancer. That's what I told him. It shocked me after I said it. I said, oh, that wasn't in me. Where'd that come from? And, and the Lord assured me that it was his word to the Colonel. He gave his life to Jesus that day, and from that moment, that guy was on the front row of our church every Sunday. He was the one who laughed the hardest at all of my sick jokes. And I want to tell you the bottom line of that story. He never died of cancer. God kept his promise to that man. He's gone home to be with the Lord, but he didn't die of cancer. I was reminded in that encounter, God knows you, and he has greater power to intervene in your life than you've ever dreamed.
And today I want to invite you all over this place to welcome his anointing in your life, to welcome his lordship into your heart. Would you stand with me, please, in these closing moments? I'm, going to, I'm not going to give you an altar call. I'm just going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. Everyone, everyone, to pray a simple prayer. So let's bow our heads and pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me. So I can live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. So I can serve you. And follow you every day. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for this new life. And you have it now. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, Lord, I pray your blessing, your anointing. I pray the freedom that you brought Mary Magdalene would filter through the caverns of every person's mind, soul, and body. I want to thank you that, Jesus, you have all authority and I thank you for liberating people that need to be free today. And I thank you for the desire to walk with you all the days of our life. And we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name.